Fish inherited the legacy of the, of the Grateful Dead, a responsibility that includes playing a different set every night, constant jamming and experimenting and being trailed across country by adoring fan base that thinks its heroes can do no wrong. To be blunt, Fish could urinate in its fans' ears and tell them its music. The fans, in turn, would be there with tape recorders to capture the moment. Um, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. If you're gonna take a risk, sometimes you're gonna play shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And and somebody comes and they pay their $20 and you get up there and you play shit that one time. And then they're like, you know, well, this this is uh, this is terrible. These guys are urinating in the ears of the listeners and, and they're happily lapping it up. But I don't think our fans do happily lap it up. Um, I think what happens is they get on the internet and talk about how it was a bad show. <laughs> The podcast, bury the podcast, Donna. check out the podcast time. Whoa, I think you'd be into it. Whoa, I think you'd be into it. Time for the podcast, bury the podcast, take out the podcast time. Whoa, hi everybody, welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. Yeah, see what happens when I don't cut off your bit? You have to play it out. <laughs> You have to actually play it out, and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm still doing this. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, I, I thought it'd be funny to start singing the, the meat stick, which is Fish's version of the Macarena, which we'll get into later, um, at the top of the episode. But then I just realized I'll have to keep doing it now. Yeah, that's what happens when I don't cut off your bits. Yeah. How do you like being yes-anded now? Uh, it's actually still pretty good. It's There's just like a, an inherent part of me that feels like warm and fuzzy when I get yes-anded. Whatever. So, <laughs> anyway, um, welcome to... The our podcast it's finally <laughs> it's finally the one guys this yep. is it it's finally happening it's finally happening a we're jam gonna band let episode. brandon talk about jam bands oh yeah i'm so excited and and our guest today could He's so not for it could not be more perfect um she's a, an actor a, a comedian just a, a general like all around like free spirit uh, Jillian Dunn. Jillian, Hi. welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I wasn't sure if that's how you started all of your shows or no. if I could speak yet. Yeah, you can. He just, he never tells people when he starts recording. He just starts <laughs> recording and then goes straight into a and bit. Usually singing, like usually singing something weird or off topic. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I like to start so off alienating I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, well, Jillian, thank you so much for... Uh, for coming and doing the show we we've only been friends for a little while mm -hmm. but we we got uh hooked up via i don't even remember the woman's name rachel chapman rachel chapman mm -hmm. yeah who who ran the ucb mixtape exchange for the year which is like if you get a chance to do it next year it's awesome they used to do it in new york they do it out here where you just put your you know name on the list and they match you up with somebody that has kind of similar musical tastes and you make each other mixtapes and uh, I still need to give you yours. You do. Um, but you gave me mine a couple weeks ago. He was and it was so dope. excited about making this, too, though. Oh. So I know. Oh, yeah. I, I know. He's so excited about making I this. I used to make, in high school, I used to make mixtapes for people and then put the track list on my live journal. Mm-hmm. Because I was, like, cool and popular. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we get going. He used to make me mixtapes in, in a, well, mix CDs in a college. And he's, or he's made me playlists for a few different holidays. Um, but... It's funny because 
I, uh, I am, uh, this has been a point of contention with me and him and with me and many other people that once I know an album really well, if I'm just putting it on for noise, I'll fucking listen to it on random. I'll listen to it out of order. And he curates his lists so specifically. And so he'll give it to me and be like, you cannot listen to this on random. Yeah, I do. I put a lot of work into them. Or like, especially if I make like a playlist, I'm like, this is just a bunch of songs I like. It doesn't matter what order it's in. And he's like, yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. The first time she told me she just does it on shuffle, I was like, you what you can't you can't give a gift and then tell a person how to do that gift how to uh, enjoy it yeah yes i can <laughs> yes go. i can I, I mean that would be that would be like if i bought somebody a, a a car and they're like oh i'm just gonna push it up the hill i'm not gonna drive it i'm just gonna push it around uh, yeah or it's like you giving a here's a walgreens gift card when i give it to you you have to go in and you have to buy advil and some pantyhose and uh you know an ice cream yeah. and those are the only things you can buy but here's a gift card oh if you could grab me some d batteries too that would <laughs> yeah. be great exactly ha well, that's good to know. I will not listen to your playlist out of order then. Note no. taken. You guys can listen to them however you want. <laughs> Don't worry. I already do. <laughs> yeah, but it was a really cool thing because like, I I wasn't sure what I was getting into. Like, Rachel's a friend of mine. And so when she was like, hey, do you want to do it? I was like, of course I'll do it, Rachel. I want to support you. Sure. Not thinking about to the greater extent that I would walk away with a new friend. Yeah, that's right. exactly Same. what happened. Like, I did it a couple. I did it in New York and got matched with somebody. And then we just never wound up exchanging them just due to like logistical stuff but like the second we started exchanging emails about like jam band minutia i I think it was when i made a passing reference to the bass player from 70 volt parade oh my goodness which was like trey's brief solo band after fish (sighs) that was only sort of half given a name and you knew what i was talking about i was like okay yeah i think we're gonna be buddies yeah (laughs) wow so before we get like real deep into the jam band K hole, um, yeah, I almost I almost didn't do this episode, and then he was like, "We could just do it," and I was like, "No, you need someone to keep you on track here. Oh. Yeah, you need a straight man. You're gonna need a straight man in this one. <laughs> it's true. And well, I'm also very glad that you're here because uh, through Brandon and through Instagram, I was able to kind of look at some of the stuff that you guys have done with the podcast, and you have an excellent taste in music. Oh, like thank you. the fact that when you guys have a what's your favorite post Beatles solo album, and you pick Ringo, I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, this girl's got something to her. Oh, we had a lot of talks about Ringo. But so before we get started, um. Let's talk about what we're into this week, if anyone would like to go first. Right now, I'm real into this squirtle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. No, I'm just I'm one of the like five people that still plays Pokemon Go. And as we are recording this, it is community day, and I'm catching me so many squirtles. <laughs> um, but no, like really, I'm, I'm one of the four people that still plays Pokemon Go. So hit me up if you have a friend code and you want to exchange things. What, what is it about the game that's kept you for two years? Because all I've ever wanted since I was eight years old was to be able to catch my old Pokemon. That's fair. That's it's fair. just everything I've wanted since I was eight. Yeah. I just really like Pokemon. <laughs> one of the one of the coolest experiences I've ever had was right after the game came out, and we went to Disneyland, and literally everyone in the park was playing. It yeah. was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Um, every single lure in Disneyland, you know, was popped off, mm-hmm. and like. It was this weird communal experience for like a week and a half. And that's cool, but actually I'm very glad that ended. Sure. Because I think for women a lot of times it was not as cool of a community experience. It was more reasons that men felt they could just talk to me on the street. Oh mm. no. Yeah. Normally they were innocuous, you know, it was it was something like, Oh, are you 
playing too, but like no woman likes just being approached by a stranger on the street. So if I would be walking, playing and somebody knew and then somebody and a man just runs up to me, it's weird. <laughs> hey, baby, that's a good looking squirrel you got. Yeah, there. yeah oh I don't God. know. I'm, I'm glad people don't just walk up to each other talking about Pokemon anymore. Yeah, but I do have a few friends who still play it. And I don't know. I, I like catching Pokemon. I like Pokemon. Yeah, I like Pokemon. You know, that's fair. We literally have an episode in which we get in a fight about whether or not Diglett is a trash Pokemon. It is. It's, <laughs> no, it's not. It's 100% not. <laughs> <laughs> if you just listen to the Beatles episode, this will be a nice little continuation. Tomorrow night, we're going to see Yellow Submarine oh, yeah. uh, at the Arclight. Uh, as they're, they're, they're screening it like one night only as like a 50th anniversary mm-hmm. thing. And they're doing like a Yellow Submarine party at Amoeba beforehand. Fine. Um, Although... But- in general, I was gonna, I was just gonna say in general, I think you do like uh, ArcLight's kind of killing it this season with their like rescreens of things. They really are, yeah. They they did the uh, they've been showing 2001: A Space Odyssey for like a month now. I just yeah. found one of the Pikachu's in a sun hat. Oh, oh, I mean, it's very shit. hot out. That's very smart of Pikachu to be doing. Yeah, yeah I saw a couple dehydrated Pikachus yesterday, and it was it was sad. It's very a dehydrated Pikachu is yeah. the saddest image ever. Yeah, because like it Told can't. You he likes things that make me sad. It can't, it can't drink that much water because it's electric, but like True. it still you, needs you, to stay you. hydrated. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to see. The only submarine. response when someone says it's electric. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Yellow Submarine was the thing that got me into the Beatles. I think I, I had heard a little bit of it and like I think I had listened to like Sgt. Peppers by that point seeing Yellow Submarine. I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade. I'd never seen I've always I've always loved animation, but I've I'd never seen like psychedelic animation sure. at that age. I'd only really seen like, you know, Disney, right. or, which which is which is great, which like is the quality is stunning. But I'd never seen something that felt like oh, this is just kind of weird and trippy. And it's it's the sweet spot of Beatles music for me, too, that, like, you know, some stuff from Sgt. Pepper's, but then some of that, like, there's some really good weird little B-sides in there, like Only a Northern Song oh, and uh, All Together Now. Like, like, songs that never really got a lot of play, because they, they are kind of, like, also rands as far as, as the Beatles are. Oh, and Hey Bulldog's in there. Um but like the animation is beautiful, and it, I, I'm excited to see if it holds up. I watched a little bit of it on 420 <laughs> earlier this year, but I'm excited to actually like see it in a theater. Oh, I think it totally holds up. Um, I was working for a family, and um, he had three children uh, from three to six in age, and he got them a copy of Yellow Submarine, and they loved it. They oh, would yeah. request to watch it. So if you have children that are clamoring to watch this and enjoy this music, you know it holds up. Oh, that's 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 good to hear. Um, I think it's also a very kind of like kid friendly. It is movie because like there's really no stakes to it. It's right. just like Ringo leads a kind of silly cartoon adventure, and you get some of the best songs ever written. Oh, totally. Um, they were actually gonna do a remake of it a few years ago. Robert, yeah, that is the appropriate face for that. Oh, it t- it totally is. Um, Robert Zemeckis, uh, who did like Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, but then also those like, you know, Polar Express and that weird run of he was really into motion movies, capture for a while. Yeah, um, was gonna do a motion captured Yellow Submarine movie, which like maybe yeah, that's sort of what I thought. The yeah. guy he had tapped uh, Peter Serafinowicz, who's a British comedian. He's the like 
dickhead older roommate in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. also, like, the voice of Darth Maul. He, he does a phenomenal Paul McCartney impression. <laughs> oh. And they had hired him to play Paul. Okay. Um, so, like, it could have been cool, but I'm sort of glad it didn't happen. Cause... Is anyone going to top the scene in uh, Walk Hard? No. For Beatles impressions? <laughs> oh, God, no. That, that, God, that, that is one of the funniest scenes in any Beatles. movie. From Liverpool. It's, I um, believe it's Liverpool, the way he says it. Oh, right, yes, I'm sorry, Liverpool. I mean, there's no limit to what we can imagine. Just, and, just, and just the way Paul Rudd just looks straight into the fucking camera when he says imagine is, oh my god, it's chef's kiss. Um, Jillian, do, do you have anything you would like to uh, share with the group? I mean, I'm into so much shit. I don't know. I mean, it's mainly the fact that, like, 4th of July just happened. It was mm. a really weird 4th of July. It was. I mean, I don't want to bring down the conversation at all. Oh, but, like, no, it comes it was, up all the time. You know, I, like, very much to me, like, um, you know, we're the baddies. Like, we're yeah. the we're the bad guys now. We have people that are in cages while we're setting off fireworks and celebrating our own independence. It's just, it was really weird. It was really yeah. weird. Yeah, this was, this was the first... Since the Trump administration started, there have been a few days that just felt really dark and really just like being out in the world. It felt like something was wrong. Yeah. And it was like the day after the election Mm. and then like Fourth of July and sort of like the lead up to it and a couple other moments of just like what what on earth is happening? Right. Um, And like. I'm so grateful because you're from the South and I'm yeah. from the South. I cannot imagine what it must be like back in the county oh God, that yeah. I grew up in because, you know, we're kind of in a bubble um, sure. and, you know, we're both, you know, able to speak our minds and use our platforms for, for what our bias is. Oh, totally. um, but growing up and being in Mississippi during the Bush administration oh, and geez. just like w- when there hasn't been a, a Democratic president in office, like it's just it's... um. I just can't imagine what it's like right now with people that are hailing Trump as a wonderful president. And like, uh, you know, I just I'm I'm thankful that we're in this bubble. But then there's part of me that's also like, does not any of it really matter? (laughs) Doesn't you know, it's all kind of the same shit, different day or or what? I don't know, you know. Uh, But yeah, so that's that's what's been happening. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the the biggest in the lead up to it, I was like, oh, this is never going to happen. There's there's no way. But there's always the part of me that was like, yeah, but we are stupid enough to do it. And, like, I found myself two weeks after the election on a military base in South Carolina. Oh, wow. And it could not have been more jarring. Yeah. And, like, I I had a couple talks with my mom about politics, and we could not be more different. Mm -hmm. And, like, when when just, like, she and I were talking, it, it, it still felt a little, like, civil. There was, like... And she did do a, very, a, a relatively good job of trying to be like, no, I like it'll. I know you're worried. I know you're freaked out, but like, I think it'll probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Spoiler: It wasn't. Mm-hmm. But like, the second we were with like other people, she'd just be like, "Go Trump!" I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, oh no, 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 no." Yeah. My, my brother actually the other day, we just we just interviewed the uh, one of the chair people of DSALA. Uh, a couple days ago, Kelsey Goldberg. Oh, okay. And my brother, uh, I was talking to him the other night. And he was like, "What do you have to do a podcast?" I'm like, "Well, because I want to." He's like, "Well, what does it have to be like a liberal podcast?" Aww. I was like, "Well, you, 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 you know me. He means right? well. His yeah. brother does mean well. He's he sweet, but he, uh, he's a hardcore libertarian. 
yeah. would also be furious that I just called him sweet. Oh, I, totally. He would he, like if if we were just to say on air publicly that he's a sweet little boy that we love very much and mm-hmm. just want to like he has a style of killing and death. Yeah, just give him just we just want to like give him a big old hug and be like it's okay, buddy. <laughs> um, so now moving on to the topic at hand, or should I say the topic at jam? You should not. <laughs> uh, you did, but you shouldn't have jam bands. Uh, Ms. Dunn, mm-hmm. if you could give us sort of your 30-second minute-long pitch as to why jam bands are fucking great, because they are. They, I don't, they're so fucking great. Um, so I was raised on classic rock and roll and classical music, and so when you get those two and you put them together in a blender, you're going to get jam music, and True. that's why I listen to it. I love... I love hearing these modern day composers uh, putting together all these different forms of music. And I love the community aspect of it too. I mean, uh, I think that when Jerry died, um, seeing how different communities all came together and that it was like, oh no, there's more fam out there just go and find it. And there was a magazine that my parents had gotten me that was like in dedication to Jerry and it was all about the Grateful Dead. Oh wow. And at the end they were like, here's some bands to listen to if you know, you want to continue with this music tradition. Oh, cool. And Widespread Panic was one of them, Fish was one of them. Sure. Um, and so I think that was when I picked up my first copy of a Fish album, which was Hoist. Uh-huh. And I fell in love and you know, it very much is that tradition. And I love too that like every jam scene kind of has their own feeling like a string cheese uh crowd versus a panic crowd versus uh a mo crowd versus you know it's just it's it's great and it's always like i always feel like the most beautiful woman in the world when i'm amongst (laughs) these people because i feel like they're my community and i I don't know i i don't know i just it makes me giddy oh yeah it's 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 the best um and there is definitely like a communal aspect to it that a lot of other music scenes don't necessarily have, and I, and, I, and I don't think it's on purpose, and I and I, I don't even entirely know why improvisational music tends to lead to that kind of community forming, and I think it might have just been because of the dead. It's gotta um, be. Now, did you you started off as a as a deadhead? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. Dead. I was raised by my parents to love the Grateful Dead. I remember being at camp one summer, so I must have been in middle school getting a care package, and my sure. mother had sent me a tape <laughs> of uh, skeletons in the closet because wow. I had a Walkman. So that was my gateway into then getting into the albums like. Um, God, uh, God, my head is just spinning right now. Um, but getting into like Working Man's Dead was oh, yeah. like I remember traveling through Israel when I was a sophomore in college or high school, and just listening to Working Man's Dead wow. over and over and over again because that album is just amazing. Sure, <laughs> um, that must have been like visually very interesting. Yeah, that very very American rural music in in well traveling through Israel that oh must yeah have been totally visually kind of a trip it was it was fantastic I mean uh, you know and also being from Mississippi and you know listening to you know music that was built upon legends of miners like it's sure. just it I lo- and the music itself like to hear the Crosby Stills and Nash kind of influence of music on on that album and on um uh, American Beauty. It's just knowing the history and and it's just so layered and so produced. And then to hear stuff live, 
it's just amazing. It's oh, when yeah. it's done well, it's just it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that Dead and Co is still able to keep up the traditions of the Grateful Dead and then have them elevated to a modern audience to get new fans in and play the songs ugh, like God let O'Teal sing like oh it, my, oh my God, like yeah. it's just it makes that's what it's about to me. Oh totally. Uh, De- Dead and Co if you don't know is the current incarnation of the Grateful Dead featuring the living members minus apparently cartoon villain Phil Lesh. Why? Um, this, this this book just came out about like the dead after Jerry that apparently just paints him and Jill as like fucking like snidely whiplash villains. No way. Which like it seems a, seems a little like it eh, seems a little harsh. Um, I always heard it was the opposite that like they were very much against the. You know the one hundred ninety-seven dollar ticket sales oh, to go yeah. see a Grateful mm-hmm. Dead show. You know, I oh yeah, I feel like I feel like the truth lies somewhere in the in the middle there. Um, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Jamming. Yeah. Um, oh oh yeah, you're De- talking about Dead and Co. Oh yeah, Dead and Co. It, it's it's all the surviving members minus Phil, including. O'Teal Burbridge, who was the bass player for the Allman Brothers for like 20 years, who has a gorgeous voice. Let uh, him sing! I don't think they ever let him sing in the Allman Brothers, really. Um, yeah, when I think about it, I don't ever recall him ever singing. But now, they, now they've now they got him singing Fire on the Mountain, and like maybe one or more. two. He could, like, honestly, I was thinking about during the show last night, he could have covered a lot of the vocals for the Allmans pretty well, and like, like just imagine him singing like blue sky yeah or like melissa like that would be oh he would sing good. a beautiful melissa right um but the the big the big change and perhaps the most controversial uh addition was the addition of one mr john mayer as the lead guitar player and sometimes vocalist i was which... not on board last year like i was very much like why are you bringing this guy in like keep trey and just let someone else sing because at least trey can wail yeah but then at the same time this year and listening to the shows um off of apps that you can keep up with the the most recent tour yeah he has grown on me and he's keeping it tight like uh i'm part of this group on facebook and someone referred to john mayer as donna john and i think that that's a fair comparison <laughs> um yeah but you know he he kept it tight this show and oh, like, totally. but yeah let O'Teal sing more balance that out but his guitar playing was great i think there was one song in there where like he wasn't quite able to like jump into the complete like progression that he was trying to get into yeah. and they got a little bit off but then yeah. they found okay. it again well uh, let's let's not throw that much shade considering trey can't play his own solos like eight <laughs> out of ten times that's true i mean that i mean you know uh when they when they had announced uh they did the like grateful dead farewell shows for their 50th anniversary uh and Trey Anastasio from Fish uh, sat in as the guitar player and, like, sometimes vocalist. And, like, John Mayer was there. Like, Dead & Co. was already sort of a, a, sh- a ship that was leaving port at that point. Um, and I was very excited going in because, like, oh, shit, it's Trey playing with the dead. Like, that's kind of – there's a part – there's – I think there's a little bit in everyone that's always kind of wanted that. Oh, yeah, but I like, think. They have very different styles. They do. They have very different yeah. styles. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's kind of why, it, it, at the end of the day, felt a little jarring was, well, A, that, that Trey was being way too polite. 
And like the the reason that he's such a phenomenal guitar player is because he's when he was at his peak, he was so fucking arrogant and just like the you know would just be like oh no i'm gonna go now and it's gonna be the craziest most amazing thing you've ever heard right but he was a little too deferential and he had also been spending you know 30 years of his career trying not to sound like the grateful it's dead very true. like yeah. very deliberately yeah and so like something about it 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 never melded and I, i've heard trey play dead music in like with some like dead side projects as sit-ins and like Bobby sat in with Fish last year and it was great, but there was something about uh, it. It just didn't meld the, the way I was hoping it would. The chemistry between John Mayer and Bobby is much more. Oh yeah, it's uh, great. You know, tangible than I, it was with Trey for I, sure. Well, I think I think the the chemistry with Trey was with Phil. Yeah, like he's he's played with Phil. And from what I had heard in interviews, Trey was always kind of Phil's guy. Yeah. So like, as as, as much as that's that's true. As much as like, that's how I constantly refer to um Bob Weir, Bob Weir, America's America's favorite <laughs> fuzzy boy. He's like the acid boy. bears now. Yeah. Like America's up, like America's favorite are. fuzzy boy. <laughs> he he looks like Bob Weir now looks like somebody saw a picture of him and went like, "You look like a like a rat dog." What? And he was like, "Oh, that's been my band for twenty years." <laughs> But I, I think I think both John Mayer and Trey are are equally good guitar players, and Mayer has the precision that Trey has, but his style is a little more. Uh, it gels with the dead a little more, and like and Beth and I have had a number of very tense arguments. We have, this. but um, beyond Fish and the Dead, which I think are the two big ones that people really know about, um. There, there are other jam bands. There oh, are totally. Other jam bands. Yeah. And I think that that's a, I'm just, I'm asking you two to elucidate, I guess, I guess a little bit, because I don't know as much about it, but it's just one of those things that people, when you say like a jam band, those are the two they go to. And yeah. as we you were talking about, show last yeah. Night, so. oh yeah, well, I know you guys <laughs> yeah. just saw the show last night. Yeah, they did. Do they just played Dodger Stadium. Um, it was hot. It was so good. Yeah. He was just talking about the weather. Also the show. <laughs> yeah, it was a good show, but it was also like a hundred oh. degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Ugh. It was. Well, no, I was just going to say, what are some, because you were talking a little bit about how, like, they kind of have different energies, too. They, oh, all, they do. That's the other thing I think you hear a lot when people talk about, like, jam bands. They're like, oh, they all sound the same. Oh, yeah. And, and that that's the thing that's always, always bugged me, especially, like, the easy go-to is, oh, fish, they're just like the Grateful Dead, right? But, like, mm, no, not really. There were a couple different, like, kind of regional scenes. I feel like there's kind of the Southwest or Southeast with, like, Widespread mm -hmm. and Government Mule. Yep. That sort of, like southern rock mm -hmm. you know is government mule really considered a jam band oh yeah, yeah oh totally. they jam okay. oh yeah War warren haynes is like one of the like granddaddies of the of no the i know and i he played he was with he was with the dead when we saw him in hartford yeah yeah oh, he really? yeah he played with he did a couple tours with the dead in like the early to mid 2000s yeah uh, it was him and uh i want to say like the guy that does the jerry parts in dark star orchestra Oh. And like, uh, oh, what's his, what's his fuck? Uh, Derek Trucks. For some reason. Yes. Um, I don't know why they always have like nine drummers. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, I think for, in my head, every government mule song is a real song. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so that's why in my head, I don't think of them as a jam band. Oh yeah. Well, cause gov government mule <laughs> is, at its heart is a blues band that yes. jams. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm thinking in my head as yeah. opposed to like, I'm very much like a lyrics person and I feel like with a lot of. Fish songs in particular, the lyrics are less important. And so I'm just like, this is a song about nothing. Yeah. Uh, 
You mean you're telling me Rai Rai Rocco, Marco Escondoles, <laughs> been you to have any spliff mang is a meaningless lyric? Sure. Um, oh, tell this. Tell the I was story. Say, I tell don't know the if story. I don't know if we've told this story on this this show before, but one of the shows I saw when we were still living in New York, I saw the this I saw would be fish tw- with him. Twelve three two thousand nine. Yeah, he's really good at, at remembering Madison, the dates. At Madison Square at Garden. At Madison Square Garden. So we were. I was. I was headed home on the subway, and there were two people sitting across from me who had clearly just also come from the show, mm-hmm. except not so clearly because. Obviously, they were on a date, and obviously, this girl did not know what she had gotten into oh because she was dressed up. I mean, he was basically a DMB bro, whatever he got on. He wasn't like dressed for like they'd clearly gone to dinner first, you mm-hmm. know, and she was like dressed for a nice dinner and had on heels, which she had just, you know, wore for three hours in Madison Square Garden, and I'm sure that was gross. And clearly, she didn't know what she was getting into, she, but she was trying but not trying um uh, i guess because i'm i'm sitting there watching them and she was like so first she was like does david bowie know they have a song about him because there's a whole song called david bowie and that's the only lyrics and it, it's about david bowie in that the lyric is just them david shouting bowie? david bowie yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you be it yes exactly oh it's so fun so and he was like, yeah, like, I'm sure he does whatever. But... And then she's like, sits there for a beat. And then she was like, so do people think their lyrics like mean something? And he was like, well, no, it's more about, you know, the music or whatever. And she was like, I just don't, I don't understand. And I was like, I am watching these two break up because he is getting just more and more angry. Yeah. But yeah. I think that that's also like, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about how Trey was trying to like not have Fish be Grateful Dead light. Oh, totally. Um, so the Grateful Dead have a lot of lyrics too that like don't yeah. necessarily mean anything except for what they mean to you. Like Robert oh, yeah. Hunter and Jerry Garcia did a good job of kind of making these myths or uh, some sort of a mythos between their words, even though they do have meaning. Do oh, they totally. really? And I think that the, the jib jab jabber that trey and fish do is a direct link from that oh you know what but you're, extreme, you're right you know yeah you, you're you're right I, I think they you know the dude of life like they when they write oh, you know yeah. what i mean that's that's very true and because fish has a couple in a way that the dead kind of didn't most of the dead songs were like actual songs mm-hmm. whereas like fish has a bunch of songs that are like half songs well, or just even- like a chorus that they can like like they have a song called Catapult that's literally just a set of lyrics that they can slot into a jam kind of whenever they want. And they are largely nonsense. Yeah. But like it's that's just one of the other little tricks that they have is right. like, oh, we can just play Catapult or Kung kind of wherever we want. Right. Or like the idea that like Sample in a Jar is a love song for somebody. Right. Like what? Like looking yeah. at the lyrics in that in that scope it's like oh okay interesting yeah um a lot of the a lot of the lyrics for fish aren't written by the band members they there's a guy named tom marshall who's like trey's bff that they've been writing songs since they were in like high school it's their robert hunter oh yeah, yeah totally um and his his lyrics are really sly and really clever in a way i think a lot of people don't give them credit for Agreed. because they're not they're not the focus. Right. Whereas, like, with The Dead, the lyrics were just as much of a focus because, like, Jerry was an amazing singer. Uh, Robert Hunter's lyrics were, were great. And same with same with Bobby, too. Like, Bobby's a really good singer. He has mm-hmm. a completely different voice, um, you know, and it seemed more content singing about, like, cars and girls. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's just always so interesting to me what they were able to do. Both of these bands were able to do with just, like, 
starting with some simple songs mm-hmm. and just sort of going. I mean, if you talk about simple songs, like to again broaden out uh, into different jam bands, um, I follow Panic around a lot because Fish went on hiatus, and sure. so I was like, well, damn, you know, I missed the boat to see the dead because Jerry died. Yep. I missed the boat to see Fish because now Fish is on hiatus while everything goes on that needs mm-hmm. to go on. So what am I going to do? And all my friends were going to Memphis and going to Louisiana. They were going to places to go hear Panic. Yeah. So I got very much into that music and I was very lucky to see Panic um, when Hauser was still around. Oh, and, wow. Um, it was, it, you know, you talk about lyrics. A lot of the songs that I know as Panic songs are written by a, c- a couple guys from Athens called Bloodkin. Oh, and really? I highly recommend checking them out because I was sent a CD my husband was actually sent a CD from his brother a Bloodkin double disc and we were listening to it and I was like this is a panic song this is a panic song this is a panic song and it was like all of my favorite early panic songs and it comes down to the fact that it was this duo that wrote this music and of course I'm sure it was purchased you know I'm sure you know they get their kickback Um, but it's fascinating to know how this music and how these lyrics come together for all of these bands Um, but essentially I was just trying to broaden the the, the conversation out again (laughs) someone explained WSP sucks to me oh yeah there there was so there's there's a website called fantasy tour spelled with a ph (laughs) because um fish fans are awful and it's essentially fantasy football but instead of football players it's songs and set lists well that's the premise of the that's the premise of the website the message board is a very different thing (laughs) yeah um there's there's a a message board uh at least I, 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 they, they have fantasy tour sites for most of the big jam bands. I've never really ventured outside of the fish message board, which like sometimes can be a great resource. Like I've, I've found some amazing music through there. I found some, there are a couple threads of like people that just are really into vinyl that, you know, God bless them. it becomes like, Hey, you can, here's, you know, a Jerry solo album. That's, there's a weird coupon that you can get it for $15 instead of 40. Oh, nice. You know, like that, like deals and stuff like that. But then the rest of this board is the fucking dregs of humanity. Like Everyone it's, is. every board is, it's yeah. just, it's troll posts. It's, uh, like harassment. It's, it's the, it's the fucking worst, but I just, so I just keep to like the vinyl thread, the cryptocurrency thread. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. Then some like ones that look safe, but there are, there are so many every day that are like, Look at these libtards thinking, you know, they're going to win in November. And it's like, dude, come on. There was a thing that started years ago where people would post like a lot of this happened during the sort of dark years when fish was gone where someone would post like But the board was still there. Oh, the board was very much still there. Um, the community is always there. Oh, the community is always there. I, yeah. I wonder where all these people I'm not go. saying the community wasn't <laughs> there. I'm saying this board yeah. was still there. Yeah. You, you can't kill it even if you wanted to. Um there was a like people would post like you know new tray interview confirming you know reunion and you click on it and it would just say wsp sucks yeah uh, which stands for widespread, widespread panic Print. sucks and it just it just became and it's it a thing that's still meme, around for basically a, yeah uh i for a little while i had a uh, a friend of mine his picture when he called or texted me was a picture of jerry holding up a sign that someone had photoshopped to say wsp sucks 
Dude, I, I get that, though. Like, I was not, again, like, uh, seeing the Dead & Co. last year, not a big fan of John Mayer's. And then, you know, with, with Panic, it's not Fish. And it's... Oh, totally. And the... the when they went on hiatus, that kind of feeling of, well, what do, where do we follow now? It was like, yeah. well, that's how I discovered String Cheese. That's how I discovered Mo. I was oh, like totally. looking for those live shows. And the Panic Crowd is a, is a certain type of, of Southern raucous per- man. Oh, totally. Uh, you know, but like I had a lot some of my best times. big dudes with beards. Yeah, just a and, like... <laughs> motorcycles well i mean i don't even i mean that just makes me think of hell's angels that's true <laughs> um i think that you know i think it's more of a mule crowd the, the mule show i went to oh, very I much was that. like mm-hmm. a lot of dudes in jean vests yeah. with like bandanas it's the allman brothers crowd oh it know? totally is it really totally is. is you saw mo this week too didn't you yeah i i went and saw mo on friday we had a um a prior engagement earlier in the evening um, so but once, the first set. but once all that wrapped up, I, I dashed up to the Fonda. Um, and this was the first time I'd seen Mo since probably the 10th grade. I mean, they haven't been on tour for a while. This, they have a new album out now, which oh, is they, why oh, they're I didn't touring. Know they had a new record out. I don't know if it's released yet, but I'm yeah, sure it they're playing. Yeah, it would have been playing... on the merch table if they had it. Yeah, yeah, I think it must be coming soon. They have like seven new songs from what I hear. Okay, that, um, that makes sense. Well, because they, they, they went on hiatus for... Probably nine months it's been long, it's because been uh, Chuck, the bass player, had cancer. Yes, um, and is actually they they played their like final show before the hiatus uh, during Fish's Baker's Dozen mm-hmm. last year. It was like a you know midnight after show. Yeah, they were great. They were really really good. They uh, they seemed really rejuvenated. Yeah, good. Um, like like watching Chuck for most of that show, he looked more blissed out playing than anyone I've ever seen on stage and like can't blame him right and like i think when you think like jam band Mm -hmm. like like when they were at their peak in sort of the mid to late 90s you know the sort of very like new england jam Mm -hmm. scene that had exploded with fish and mo and you know a couple other sort of bands from up there mo is very much that like 90s jam band sound that sort of just like lots of percussion like every every bar in the jam is the four is emphasized really hard. They're mm-hmm. like, dun, 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 yeah, like the most fucking like. I love Mo, but it is some white person bullshit. It really is. It really is. I remember being in high school and I had gotten a copy of Tin Cans and uh, Car Tires. Oh, that's a good one. And I was on a trip for a theater convention in Nebraska and I would just listen to Nebraska on loop over and over and over again. Um, but I mean, it is that it's that nostalgia more than anything. But then the um, oh look at that! I See, I didn't get into their other stuff too until I'd gotten past uh, that that album that I was just talking about, and then I started getting into the more early stuff. But their live, their live jamming is so good. I mean, oh, there's your favorite, <laughs> Rebubula. Yeah, mm-hmm. Big Bubbers. Don't worry, that's been talked about on the show before. Oh, I yeah. believe it. I, I played a solid two minutes of Rebubula in another episode. <laughs> And uh, surprisingly, uh, my co-host's mother was very into it, which I, I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, but also, she is your mother-in-law. You can say that's true. That's true. I guess it's my co-host's mother. My 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 <laughs> mother-in-law. Yeah. Another thing I think about too with these groups too, like Mo and String Cheese and Fish, it's like 
they go through these stages too of like being young and like they hit a peak but then they get sober or something happens oh, yeah. and then cancer happens or something and so there's now these decades of time where their music is different I mean it's also true with the Grateful Dead like I oh, love totally. 70s Dead 80s Dead it takes me a minute to get into <laughs> because it's too yeah. synthy or yeah. it's too there's something. a lot of synthesizer yeah when Jerry got that like midi guitar that could sound like a cow mooing it was like Come on! How did buddy. John Mayer make that guitar sound like a sitar last night? I, I was I was looking on stage and I was too far away. I was like, it, "Who's playing the sitar? Who? Where is it coming from?" I don't know. It, it might have been one of the drummers too. They might have had a thing. Maybe I couldn't figure it out. I was like, "Where's that noise coming from?" I, I I swear, at some point during the drum solo, I heard just the sound of a tin can, <laughs> and I was like, well, "They must they must have a tin can mic'd up in there somewhere. What? Maybe as a joke, but yeah. maybe because it just." You know, they set a can down and no one noticed, and a roadie mic did. Dude, the, when I, because um, my husband and I are subscribers to the LA Phil's, because we like to hear oh, classical yeah. music live as well, and the Walt Disney Concert Hall mm-hmm. is amazing. Oh, it looks like it. You guys like went it. and saw Trey there, right? I'm, I'm going, going to see Trey there going. in December. Oh, God, if we can get tickets. Um, but the the newer kind of compositions that come out of there, there's always somebody playing a a rock there's always some, sure. some percussionist playing some sort of a tin can or some kind of metal oh, yeah. it's so weird to see and it's like well of course where are you going to go from you know the renaissance of classical music we saw at the bowl a couple yeah, years say. ago the whoever composed the music for like crouching tiger hidden dragon mm-hmm. oh that's they, not what i was they did say. a uh, performance of some of that guy's music uh like from some of the films that he had scored and mm-hmm. a couple of the songs just had someone standing over like a fish tank just like pouring water in and then just kind of like oh yeah sort of splashing around i'm like huh i guess it i guess it does count yeah yeah Yeah. no i was gonna say we did see trey play um uh petrichor with the philharmonic at the bowl yeah oh that was an amazing show so good there Uh, were divided sky that show oh my god God. i'm I'm generally not super into the let's just add an orchestra to things but the way trey writes especially his composed for right Exactly. It was composed. Yeah. Yeah, and like like Petrichor is a is a really good fish song and I love that it's been embraced in a way that like Time Turns Elastic wasn't, mm-hmm. which always kind of bummed me out cuz yeah. Time Turns Elastic is really good to go pee during. Yeah, but it's all <laughs> exactly. But it's also exactly the same every time. Yeah. And like that it, it sort of bummed me out how So fish fans can kind of be persnickety assholes. Like yes. what? <laughs> like I I I love fish fans. Mm-hmm. I I love fish. Uh, it's it's uh, Trey and that music and what they do live has been the single most important creative influence in my life. Mm-hmm. But like fish fans can be entitled, obnoxious mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, just like the panic like... fans can be good old boys. And, oh, totally. You know, fucking drunk assholes. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's any community. Yeah. God, look at Star Wars. Like, oh, true. I believe that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, they're, 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 I've just encountered so many people that are just like, oh, well, you you didn't see them in '93. Like, you weren't at the bomb factory in Dallas in '94. You're not a real fan. Yeah. And like. That is one of the few bummers about it to me is like how and like fish fans can be intense in a good way. Mm-hmm. But like there's nothing casual about fish fans. Yeah. Like even when it comes to like, you know, getting posters or like, you know, a record store day release mm-hmm. or any if there's anything vaguely fish related, they will have done all of the research 
figured out the most like logistically efficient way to get the thing they need. They'll be there eight hours beforehand. And like, I love that dedication, but it, it leads to a lot of like, Oh, the band isn't playing what I want them to play. Entitlement. The f- exactly. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, Trey is playing his, his whammy two pedal too much. Like, like, Oh, what, what is wrong with you? Trey play something good. Right. And it's just like, come on yeah. guys. Like be, be They're cool. Fucking Super, like, and that's another, uh, on top of, like, be cool, like, and that entitlement just is so absurd because most of these people probably can't play guitar at all. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, like, that's the other thing that I, as much as I, most of my jam band experience comes from, you know, being married to Brandon. You're welcome. But, um, <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that if you do give, I didn't, I've never seen a jam band and, like, I was aware or, or like, familiar with who they, like, who Fish was or whatever, but I never listened sat down and listened to it but when I did go to my first concert with them live um the first the thing I really came away with was that like even if you go to a show and then you're like you know what this isn't for me there's no way you can walk away from a jam band show thinking that anybody on that stage is anything less than like immensely talented like they are all such fucking talented musicians oh yeah like think what you want because i think a lot of people too they're like whatever it's just noise but when you watch it you realize it's it's really not and the ability to improvise and listen to the other person on the stage is it's hard oh yeah it's really difficult and if you even if you decide like jam band music isn't for you like if you just want to like watch an example of just fucking talented musicianship like Mm -hmm. jam band players like for for the reputation that they get like they are super fucking talented oh yeah (laughs) and like there there are some just like newly bullshit jam bands out there but like twiddle i let's not get into twiddle um i i I think i think you Unironically, like twiddle. Because the jam flow man is coming yeah. down, and the jam flow man is coming round, and the jam flow man is up the stairs, and the jam flow man he's got his hairs, and the jam flow yeah. man is comes round, and the jam flow man is better bound. I like uh, it. They, oh god, they have a oh, they have a fucking double album that is the most like jam band bullshit uh, name for a record I've ever heard. One of my favorite games that I've always liked playing. And I think it was when I first heard String Cheese Incident and realized that was a real band. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite one of my favorite games to play is um, jam band name or diner menu item. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is like very much an East Coast game. Yeah. It's very much an East Coast totally. game. But I do like to just pick things on a diner menu and go jam band or diner menu item. Right. The, uh, the Twiddle record I was Disco thinking Fries. Of... Jam band or, di- or diner menu item. Right, right. You know, I saw Disco Fries at the third Bonnaroo. They were choice. Um, the record I was thinking of was Plump. Chapters one and two by Twiddle, featuring among amongst other songs, "Amidst the Mist," spelled A M Y D S T, and uh, Nicodemus Portulay. You sure this isn't just the soundtrack to Ribbon? <laughs> That's true. the The key track, I believe, is "The Fantastic Tale of Ricky Snickle." Aww. Which, like, I think we I think we should maybe get into for just a second. Jam bands are fucking dorks. Oh. Like there's there's so much, like I mean they're they're also nerds. That's why yeah. they're such yeah. good musicians. <laughs> like there there's so much there's so much stuff with like fish and jam bands in general that like when you say it out loud it's well that's a little absurd. Oh Ween. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't God. even know if I'd count Ween as a as a jam band, but like they're the same thing. Like they they are so unapologetically themselves. Yeah. And. Every every Ween show is half like 
tight, awesome, kind of heavy rock and roll mm-hmm. and half just utter train wreck. Like, just like Diener is way too fucked up, but going really hard. Yeah. Or, you know, it's a 30 minute poop ship destroyer. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, and like, I, I adore Ween. Yeah. They're one of my favorite bands, but like. They're at their best when it's a little bit of a mess. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. Ween, uh, Ween is not a jam band. Like, exactly. it's on t-shirts. I mean, yeah. that's true. But I also, I'm into Ween because oh, totally. of their first Bonnaroo and because Fish covered one of their songs. Mm-hmm. And then once I discovered it was Ween, I was, like, blown away. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that's what got in. And just, like, um, String Cheese got me into Weather Report. You know? Sure, And yeah. so that's another huge thing about this whole thing is that from The Grateful Dead on – I get into different music because oh, totally. of this mm-hmm. gateway. Well, and I th- I think that's valid. Yeah, I'll- and it's not just jam band music that you get into. I mean, no. you mentioned like you got into Ween because they covered it. Again, because they're very talented musicians, they're able to really cover stuff. I mean, they Fish does for Halloween, they do their musical costume every year where they cover an entire album. That's yeah. what got him into a lot of things. That's how you got into Little Feet. Yeah, how got into oh, Little God, Feet. I love Little Feet. Oh, that, oh that, my God. That little, the Halloween in 2011, Fish covered Waiting for Columbus, which is a two disc live album uh, at the uh, Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. And that set in and of itself was nearly two hours long. Oh, and it was, love it. it was like a so six hour good. show. Yeah, that was a oh long God. night. We got to the arena at eight. We left at about one in the morning. (laughs) Like, just to think about, okay, so Fish is taking Little Feet, which in its own history, Little Feet's history with Robert Palmer and uh, Bonnie Raitt's father, like all of these people in this 70s culture that were working together and how that music influenced the music that we have now that we're all listening to. And that like Lowell George played on a Zappa record. Oh my God, yes, Zappa. We haven't even talked about Zappa yet. Um I oh. think if you ever, if you, if anyone had ever told Frank Zappa, oh, you're going to get mixed in with jam bands, he would, <laughs> he would have fucking he would've, killed himself. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> he would have just been like, well, well, that's it for me. I'm yeah. going to smoke a hundred cigarettes and uh, drown myself in black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Or he would have just mocked it. He would have put out his own jam band album and would have done exactly what we were just talking about, oh, which totally. is like talk about the mist and the misting and the mist of the mister. Oh, yeah. But you then know? it would have also been like in 14-3 time. Yes. Oh, for sure. Have um, you listened to his composition? Uh, like he wrote this huge symphonic like uh, it's is the, it the yellow shark i think so i don't remember what it's called but uh, my husband has been listening to it off and on as as we do stuff and it's sure. just so hard to listen yeah, to i've I, heard of it and i've seen like some of the sheet music of that it's like almost impossible to play yeah oh yeah but it's the, i mean you hear the composition i mean but also i get that way with jazz music as oh, well totally. um you know again it's it's all in the composition or like the fact that you have people like sun Ra who are not improv at all Everything oh really? I thought everything in Sun Ra was it, but so rehearsed. He would take cat naps at his piano, like, and then he would wake up, and his orchestra had to be like, wow. "Okay, we're going again." Sun. He was one of the. He was one of the few where, like, I picked up a couple of his records and was just like, "I think this is a step too abstract for me." But the, like, I get that. I totally get that. I mean, I like it, it was a phase I went through. Definitely. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, I listened to a lot of it and I, it's hard for me to listen to now. Fusion jazz is not my thing. I would oh, yeah. much rather listen to like, um, you know, Monterey pop and jazz festival stuff. Like, oh, totally. That's from the like mid fifties to early sixties. Oh, totally. That's my jazz pocket. I, I, mine, mine is firmly in the like Sonny Clark. Yeah. Like, hard bop piano. Ooh, give me and some then, vibes. Like, 
Yeah. Like Kenny Burrell, sort of like midnight blue jazz guitar. MJQ for life. Oh wow. I want MJQ all the all the time. Um oh and then there are there are a couple a couple jazzy groups that have sort of been lumped into the jam world, like Medesky Martin and Wood. Oh sure. And uh, John Schofield when he yeah. when he played yeah. with them. Uh a couple the couple records they did together, Agogo and uh I forget what the second one was called. Are great. Yeah, I mean, oh, Juice. Juice is their second the one. The Wood Brothers jam too, and oh, like yeah. they still get on. Like, I mean, it's definitely not Medeski Martin Wood jazz, but like sure. that comes through. Oh, you totally. Know? Uh, and they're like the Wood Brothers are just like roots duo. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, they're well, it's great. Well, it's a trio. Yeah. Oh, it's but, a trio now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's but they jam. Like that's the thing is that you go to these concerts, and that's part of the joy is seeing these people play. Oh, totally. And go for it, and 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 also listen to each other, like. The thing about fish too is that like it works because you have your page and you have your mic and oh, you totally. have your fishman and like you have whatever the fuck fishman's doing at that. <laughs> Actually, fish is he's a fucking phenomenal drummer. He is a very oh, yeah. good drummer. I've played a lot of fish for people that don't necessarily know fish or have any interest in fish, because if you get in my car, there's a <laughs> seventy to ninety percent chance you're gonna hear some fish. Yeah. And like I, I've had people who probably weren't even into it be like, their drummer is incredible. Yeah, he is, but he's he's incredible, but he's subtly incredible. Oh, totally. He's subtly incredible in the in a way that like, not because he's not. We talked the other day about he's not a phenomenal uh, drummer, Ringo. But it, but in that you know you have Trey up front doing whatever his Trey thing is at the moment, and sometimes you let. Mike or Paige run away with it and it gets weird, but Fishman, he doesn't do as much stunting, basically. Oh, totally. But he still has to follow them and and be really solid. Like, he's a really solid, like, base of the group. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why the band is called Fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah, they've straight, straight, straight up said early on, like, if I was watching this band, I'd be watching Fishman. Yeah. Ginger um, Baker, Keith Moon. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh Fishman. totally. Like yeah. like a, a drummer that's kind of a and like Fish has that impre- Im, you know that uh, Im- impression of being like kind of the wild one mm-hmm. and like Fish had a ton of girlfriends just all over the place. Everything I've heard about Fish is like yeah that dude uh that dude goes hard. <laughs> Good. Um, but somehow at the same time they've always been dads. Oh yeah. From like <laughs> They've just spiritually always been like walking dad jokes. Oh like, yeah, when they were like if you look up a picture of fish from the 80s, they are the least cool-looking people you've ever seen. Yeah. They are the biggest fucking dorks, and they are so amused and pleased with them, themselves. But, but that so also, are the dead. Yeah, that goes exactly. in with the whole community thing about the audience as part of this whole collective and situation. The music would not exist without the audience. Oh, totally. And the audience is reflective of the music that it brings. So, I mean, I think that that's very, very true. There's a, a really... I noticed something a little while ago that was a really interesting, like, kind of circle of life of the way a lot of bands that play arenas don't really have much uh, interaction with the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, there'll be, you know, how you doing? You know, and like applause and stuff. But a lot of like big arena shows are kind of on rails. You mean you can't imagine the Taylor Swift audience yelling Wilson at her? I, I you know, I, the idea of a Taylor Swift uh, audience, you know, knowing to go, <laughs> you know, during the middle of stash seems kind of bonkers, but that's also not why they're there. Mm-hmm. But like, there was a thing that happened during some fish shows, maybe five, six years ago, where they do a lot of start and stop jams where mm-hmm. they'll just be playing and sort of pause and then jump back in. 
And at this show in Tahoe during uh, – they have a song called Tweezer, and this was like a 40-minute one. Uh, the audience during the pauses just started, you know, going, woo! And it it kept going. Mm-hmm. And then it started happening at other shows and then sort of became this, like, sort of a ongoing motif throughout that summer tour. Mm-hmm. And, of course, within a couple weeks, the, like, jaded asshole fish fans were like – don't woo. Like, what's your fuck? Like, if you're wooing, you're you're only distracting the band. Like, you're 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 worse than the people that yell hood during Harry Hood. You're worse than the people <laughs> that clap during Stash. Like, just the, the worst. Like, you know, don't participate in this concert. It's kind of people. And then a couple months later, uh, during their Halloween show, in the like, they don't announce what the uh, cover record is going to be until you get in and they hand you a like Broadway bill. style playbill. Yeah. Um, that has like an essay about say, yeah one of them always writes like an essay about it which is pretty cool yeah, yeah. there's like an essay about the album some other like weird little writing and then like a bunch of fake ads mm-hmm. and one of them in this particular playbill was for like woo be gone Aww. or something like that that was like they just took a bunch of quotes from people saying like don't woo it's annoying <laughs> and made a, a fake uh you know uh, like prescription drug ad for it and put it in their thing. And like, that's such a cool like turn from this is a thing that happened organically. And mm-hmm. now six, eight months later, there's a printed joke about it. Yeah. And like that, that to me is what I love about fish specifically, but kind of jam bands to a lesser extent, the sort of like concert as a happening, mm-hmm. like totally. rather than just playing your same show every night, it, it's different and it feels like more like following like a sports team yeah. than a, a band. You can have something like fantasy tour. Exactly. And that's how I've always explained it to people like to my mom and stepdad, like why I go to fish shows all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've said like, well, would you just go to one Charlotte Hornets game? Uh, and then be like, oh, I've seen the Hornets. No, yeah. like they go every week. And like that has done just the slightest mm-hmm. to make them – if not understand it, at least, like, yeah. not be judged. Which, like, not to, like, throw shade on a Taylor Swift concert. You know, that's if that's what you're there for, that's oh, what totally. you're there for. Yeah. But oh, why totally. are you necessarily – I don't necessarily want to go to a show just to see somebody play something exactly like it was on the album. Right, right. You just listen to the album. <laughs> it's true. It's very yeah. true. I've uh, seen St. Vincent a couple of times now, a few times. Once with David Byrne, where she actually what did jam out a little bit oh, more really? than I've seen her do. I could, I could see that with, um, with, with him. Yeah, and like and then covering Talking Head songs. They played Ooh, a lot more Talking yeah. Head songs than I anticipated. And it was at the Bowl. Ooh. No, it was at the Greek, uh, I believe. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen her twice then on also by herself. And she always like starts to like get there, and then she always stops. And I'm like, you're such a good guitar player. Yeah. Just jam out a little bit, you know? God, I don't know why I brought that up, but it made whatever we were yeah. just talking about. Oh, going and seeing something yeah. as it is on the album. Um, I mean, she's definitely one of those examples of like, I just wish she would jam out a little bit yeah. louder, totally. just so I could hear how her brain, that's it too, yeah. is that hearing these people jam and communicate with each other through their instruments, and if I am hearing that music and what I'm picking up on, I'm on that level. I'm on that sure. vibe. And like, I'm in, a, I'm in an arena, I'm at Dodger Stadium filled with like, so many other people yeah. that are on that vibe. It's just amazing to oh, me. Oh, yeah. And, like, the one of the interesting things that can happen that I, I don't think would happen in a more, like, if we're just playing the record sort of uh, show is that, like, some of my favorite jam band 
performances either from like a fish show or a dead show or, or mo or something like that can be songs i might not be wild about true you know their 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 standard repertoire is something like 200 plus songs yeah plus the couple other hundred that they've only played like once or twice right but that like i can go to a show and have like a really you know special musical moment or like feel something really deeply from like a song i couldn't care less about or would usually like like skip which which i sort of leads me to my next question of like do you have any unpopular jam opinions i don't know if they're unpopular or or just like the, the one the one i can give is that like i don't love the song david bowie oh yeah I, okay. I I appreciate that song, yeah. But it always, it always kind of feels the same to yeah. me. And like, there's just like a couple other songs I would rather hear, yeah, than Bowie. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if you had, if you had yeah. any like What's weird opinions song? like that. Like, I'm not great with like names of songs, sure. titles of songs. Um, but I know what I know. Um, but the one about the cars with the tires, the wheels. Oh, um, contact. Yeah, contact. I I don't like that song. That's I fair. I don't like that song at all. And I feel like I mean, maybe if I heard it live and I could see them having fun doing it, and it's sure. a it's a palate cleanser between one jam to another. Oh, totally. Um, I think I could appreciate it, but it's just like on its own on that album. There's there's so much other fun stuff. Like I, that's definitely one. Yeah. But maybe I also listened to it too much when I first got into Fish. So I don't yeah. I don't know. And that that's very much that like kind of goofy mm-hmm. light like it sounds like a schoolyard melody right. but that doesn't bother me like that's not it, the simpleness of it is why it exists and, and oh, the totally. lyrics are there for what you know it's a it's an absurd song oh totally um, and it's very it's such a mic song yeah oh it like, really it is. is very much like a late 80s early 90s like mic jam oh yeah but like uh story of the ghost has lots of good mic stuff on it that's you know? true that 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 is a very kind of like mic i love mic heavy I haven't listened to that record in a long it's time. One of my favorites, "Round Room." I don't like, and I didn't like a lot of those songs until I heard them live. That's uh, fair. I, I I resented that album, and and I know that people really? also. Why why, do you, why was that? I feel like it was rushed. It felt like it was just something to get out in order to like have that last bit of cling or that new start after the hiatus or sure. whatever. Like it just didn't seem. And they recorded it in like two days. Yeah, but a lot of good things have been recorded in, true. in that amount of time. I mean, apparently Avril Lavigne was able to get her hot single, uh, Why Things Gotta Be So Complicated, in one take. Oh, damn. I mean, who knows if that's true. I, I was, I'm joking. Sure. But like, no, I, I don't. It was something just about, like, when you have albums like Rift or you have, uh, you have these amazing epic albums and then you get stuff like you get farmhouse and that's fine and then you get round room and it's like what is going on why but then i heard some of the songs live and i was like okay i get it i get it yeah that you know it was really interesting um since fish broke up in 2004 because trey was straight up just gonna die from doing all the drugs i saw him at the second bonnaroo and he was so fucked up that i went down to corporate shake and bought a bowl because i was just like i can't watch this it's it was really disappointing he was so out of his mind yeah and that like coventry too oh my gosh i'm so glad i watched that in a movie theater in birmingham alabama and didn't go yeah Yeah, coventry was supposed to be fish's final concert Mm -hmm. they they will do these like three-day three-day massive like festival camping 
excursions. For yeah, their fans. like they they sort of in like modernized like one one uh, one band Bonnaroo. Yeah. yeah, and and like they they sort of modernized that uh, that concept starting mm-hmm. with uh, Clifford Ball in mm-hmm. like ninety six or ninety seven, but. Coventry was supposed to be their last show. It was their first show they played in Vermont in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it just wound up being a, like, logistically a muddy shit show. Like, Mm -hmm. literally a shit show. Yeah. People walking for miles to get to the venue because their car's stuck in mud. And so then the the car... It, they eventually started turning people away. Yeah. Like, like Mike had to come on the like festival radio and be like, "Hey, we're not letting any more cars in. Like, this is a fr- this is a fucking disaster." Mm-hmm. And the the shows themselves were because this was a little pre web streaming. Mm-hmm. They did like a simulcast in movie theaters. Yes, and you basically spent two days in a movie theater watching these things air conditioning oh it was great no mud the concert was okay so it was like great we're in a theater yeah like there were there were some really good the improv was really good Mm -hmm. because it like that felt like where all the emotion was coming out of but the like the the playing was just a disaster in particular trays was trays was a mess he tried to like whistle a couple points and just it was just nothing like it was it was like at one point, Paige just started like bawling. Like oh, it was, he did. I remember that. It yeah. was it was it was very hard to mm-hmm. watch. And mm-hmm. like I've I've there are little clips of it on YouTube now. Like there's one point where Trey is just very clearly like doing some coke right off mic. Really? And like like the camera cuts away, but right. you, you you see him just sort of like, and it's just like oh guys come on yeah. And then like. I do remember that Mike song being really fun, though. But yeah, the, that was at the very start of the there's show. Some, there's some good stuff. The Wolfman's Brother is pretty good, where they bring out, I think, their moms to, oh, yeah. to dance. Like, mm-hmm. th- there, there were some legitimately kind of, like, fun, fishy moments. Mm-hmm. But so much of it was just this, like, weird mess. And it, it felt like... It didn't feel like the way you wanted this band to go out. Right. Like, like a band that had been so positive and right. so bright and so constant so constant yeah. yeah like was you you watched them fall apart in a way you sort of didn't with the dead like mm-hmm. like the dead over the last couple years of their existence was just this like massive machine that they kind of couldn't have stopped if they wanted to but you and i weren't around for when jerry was at the height exactly. of his addiction and having to step down and yeah. step back up and like i've heard it, it's you know. basically this like a very similar vibe of just like Oh, this isn't like watching this. You know something's wrong. I mean, there's some mid '90s shows that I, from the dead that I'm just like, I don't want to listen to this. I can listen to this from the '70s and oh, enjoy totally. this so much more. Oh yeah, any any dead after about '87, '88 for me is a little hard to listen yeah. to. Well, you hear Jerry's yeah, but voice. let me tell those fucking dead videos though from the '80s are. Oh yeah, they're oh, choice. Oh yeah, they, they're yeah. choice. There is some atrocious fashion happening yeah in mostly Some mostly wild from, music videos yeah. mostly from our, our good good fuzzy boy bob weir mm-hmm. who in the 80s was known for wearing short, short shorts. shorts yeah oh for sure and madonna sleeveless tank tops oh yeah why not if you got it flaunt it baby oh yeah and like you know say what you want about bob he's kind of ridiculous when he was young that was a good looking man there's <laughs> a reason why he and jean mayer get on the way that they do oh, you yeah. know what i mean I texted my friend last night during the show. Uh, John Mayer was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and I texted her like, "There's no way that shirt costs less than about fourteen hundred dollars. Like, there's Ooh. there's no way that that is like a anything less than eight hundred dollars shirt John Mayer is wearing." 
You know, as long Whatever. as it's not tie dye, I think Bob will approve. Oh yeah, that's that's very true. Um, America's fuzzy boy. There's no way he can un- not approve of a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, yeah. It's basically a walking Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Co- Coventry was so hard to watch, oh. and like, I think you were right about like a lot of these bands hit that kind of moment because so much of it, so much of the creativity and just like touring, comes to rely on psychedelics or any number of other kind of uh, drugs, which can like can do tremendous things for mm-hmm. your playing, but can also, you know, lead to just some complete shit shows it, and lead people to people in the audience or with the band uh, themselves just, or both or, or both. Yeah. Like, like it, it was that sort of perfect storm in the like mid nineties when the dead scene had gotten way too big mm-hmm. and Jerry was like barely holding on. And mm-hmm. then you have, you know, the show where the audience tears down the back wall of Deer Creek mm-hmm. and storms in. So the next show gets canceled because like, you know, people just thought it was a free for all. Yeah. And like, I, I can't imagine that was healthy for the band to have witnessed, especially like a month before Jerry died. And I mean, like, weren't they at Altamont? <laughs> that, that's, that's true. Yeah. But like Altamont f- sort of felt like it was a slightly different thing. Like this was their their fans basically saying the rules don't apply to us. Right. And that like this is just a big drugged up party. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's what happened with Festival Express. Like if you watch that documentary, oh, we're like, because it was right after Woodstock and fans were like, oh, no, we got into Woodstock for free. Why can't we see other concerts like this for free? Exactly. And it's like, well, how's the band going to make money? Exactly. Yeah. Or Woodstock 99 wasn't there. The crowd was so fucked up and there was just so much aggression in the air that like they were tearing down all sorts of shit that was like that in the park. Sounds about right. But also Woodstock 99 kind of had the like. It doesn't surprise me that it got wild with the lineup that it had yeah. of like, you know, Chili Peppers and Primus. Yeah. I adore Primus, but Primus crowds fucking suck. Oh, no. Um, did you go to the Greek show? I didn't. I uh, I saw them. The first time I saw them was in the like ninth grade. And oh, wow. that was right after Les Claypool had sort of emerged from the jam world for a few years. So it was this weird mix of like thrashy metal Primus bros mm-hmm. and like kids in tie-dye t-shirts yeah um but like every time i've seen primus they've been great yeah um we we i think i had a rehearsal or something so i couldn't i couldn't go but um they're very good live yeah i saw les claypool and buckethead i saw them at the first bonnaroo not knowing what i was watching at all sure and then um, and then you still didn't afterwards yeah well but i was like this is what primus is like i knew known as big brown beaver because it had been a moderately successful music video on mtv (laughs) exactly but like when it comes to like metal stuff i'm i'm as much as i like classical music i am more ignorant of that um just because it uh this sound itself, I'm so sensitive that when I hear metal, it just, I feel it, you know? Oh, totally. Um, I'm sure everybody does. But for me, it's a little too much. I get a little overstimulated. <laughs> might bring on my anxiety just a little too much. So I choose not yep. to listen to metal. We were we were at a fish show, uh, 4th of July, 2010, I think, in Atlanta. I was at that show. Oh, the one where they, they did Harpua? Yeah. Wait, oh, at the yeah. Verizon Theater? Yeah. I was at that oh show. Oh, my God. That was, that was so fucking good. That was a good show. When the, So Harpua. All I remember about that show is the guy in the whaler shirt that I high-fived as we drove by him. Ooh, the whalers are great. <laughs> I forgot about that. Like, a, um, like, the, like the hockey, the hockey team. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just so weird because we were in Georgia. And it's, it's the Connecticut hockey team that hasn't been around for like 25 years, but we refuse to let it go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you, if you were high-fiving every 
everyone in a Bob Marley and the Whalers <laughs> shirt at a fish show, you would not get into the show. You'd just be high-fiving people in the parking lot for hours. Fair, fair. Um, but the, the interesting thing to me is they, they have a song called Harpua, which is sort of like, which is the song that got me into fish. Oh, because like I, I had I had been listening to a little of their stuff. I got one of their Halloween shows. Uh, I think it was the White Album show, but it might have been the Quadrophenia show. I, I don't exactly remember. Legendary. Um, one, one, yeah, one of the like big '90s Halloween shows, and they played Harpua in the the first set, and it was like Harpua is a song that has like a song part with like a verse and a chorus and bridges and stuff, but then it becomes it just goes into this vamp and trey tells this story about this kid and his cat and this evil dog named harpua and they generally will use it to like play a weird cover song or like to introduce that like oh this is halloween we're gonna troll the audience by saying we're gonna play you know michael jackson's bad and and but then actually not play that as our album which is again a convention that started with the grateful dead in my opinion oh totally um but this particular year on Fourth of July, they told the story about how the like the history of of America is weaved into the lyrics of Fish songs, and that Fish is the only band that really tells it like it is, uh, with the exception of the protagonist's favorite other band, which is the only band that tells it how it is, Rage Against the Machine, <sighs> and w- without saying Rage, they say like the other band that you know tells it like it is, and then they covered uh, Killing in the Name. Yes, they did. By Rage Against the Machine. Dun-dun. And it was so interesting to watch because we were down in the pit mm-hmm. and like the wow. whole show, everyone had just been like, it was a chill, friendly fish pit. There was like room to move. Everyone was, you know, spinning and like in a good mood. The second they kicked into that Rage song, oh yeah, people were throwing elbows. There yeah. was beer flying through the air. Yeah. It just became a metal pit. And you then know the what, second though? it I've was over, I've had spilled on me at more fish shows without metal than <laughs> anywhere else in my life. That's true, but it was it was just like the uh, the the vibe changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And then the second that was, excuse me, the second that was over, back to normal. Yeah, and it was so cool. I love how you like snap like Thanos, like it just bam. Oh yeah, and then it was <laughs> every time I every time I I snap, I hope half of the uh, universe disappears. No. So, Jillian Dunn, is there anything uh, regarding jam bands that we haven't covered that you would like to? I mean, we to? could go on forever. We definitely could. If there's anything I can say before we stop talking, though, I would just like to remind everybody, whatever you do, take care of your shoes. Yes, that's true. Uh, I would also like to say on top of that, uh, keep what's important and know who's your friend. <laughs> um, and on top of that, you get your ass handed to you every day. <laughs> <laughs> If people who were not familiar with jam bands, if you had like a good intro show or intro album you could recommend to somebody, what would you what would you give somebody? I know we've done, for example, we we did already do a mini sode on the Dead show in 1964 at Cornell. He has a mini sode yeah, on that. People should go back Everybody and listen to that wants, if you want yeah. to talk about that. Uh, I, I get some I get some facts about uh, the Betty Boards wildly wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, I apologize for it in the next episode. So. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about a live show. I think to get anybody into jam bands, I always say stick with a studio album. Mm -hmm. Sure. So if you're going to listen to some fish, a good, like, simple, easy intro is Hoist. Uh, That was the first studio album that got me into them. And especially what, Down With Disease? Down With Disease. Julius. Mm -hmm. Featuring fucking Jonathan Frakes on trombone. Yeah, there's a a duet or like a, a... 
background oh, if singing, I could. if I could, with um, Alison Krauss, Alison Krauss oh, which is so great. Good. So if you like country music at all, that would you know fit into you. And then for for Dead, I would say please uh, start with either American Beauty or Working Man's Dead. Working Man's um, Dead, if you like. If you like it a little more rootsy. Oh, it's very good. Ameri- it's my favorite. American Beauty it feels a little more 60s pop. Mm-hmm. And Working Man's Dead is a little more like, I don't know if there's any electric guitars on that record. Yeah. Yeah. What um, about you, babe? What would you recommend? Whew. Um, I, I, I think for for Dead, I would agree that it's it's probably Working Man's or American Beauty. Though Those are the best collections of songs. And the, the Dead could be an up and down studio band, but those are... Those records are just legitimate masterpieces. Like mm-hmm. they, they are so of their time. They're not really jam bandy, mm-hmm. but like they are just fantastic records. I think if you wanted to start with Live Dead, mm-hmm. I would recommend uh, Sunshine Daydream, which is the show mm. from uh, Veneta, Oregon, in 1972. Yeah, 72. Europe 72 stepping out. Oh, Europe any, 72 is great. Any 72 is going to get you good. Get Pigpen and get Jerry. That that's it. You got to do those two. You know, I, I've never never been a big fan of Pigpen. Don't you say it. I I I, I like I like Pigpen. I like yeah. what he did. But like that sort of like more kind of bluesy. Yeah, that's what I love. I I always I liked the Dead once they started stretching out a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. like once Pigpen was gone, mm-hmm. it felt like they they felt a little more free to go like to get a little weirder mm-hmm. in a way. It was that also the time exactly. Yeah, and like you, you sort of couldn't have done that when it was still kind of the Pigpen show. Right. Um. But yeah, Sunshine Daydream is is one of those shows that's held up as like the dead show yeah. like that or they just released the cornell 77 show i think it was i think they called it like get shown the light or something like that yeah but that's another that's like late 70s like disco dead at at its finest um for for fish i would recommend either i think their last couple studio records have been pretty good i was gonna say i think if you want to if you want to get into like what fish is doing now i would yeah. say fuego yeah. if you want to get into the deeper catalog or story of a ghost is good too ghost is good um any honestly any of the live fish series mm-hmm. they released 20 of them any of those is a really good start i i, I tend to like kind of maybe 95 to 97 mm-hmm. so like the live at the garden on new year's eve uh the album alive one um oh yeah Mm-hmm. Th- there's there's a lot of really good uh really good jams in there um but also like i liked big boat yeah i liked big boat a lot a lot of people fucking hated big boat i liked joy a lot yeah joy is great I more really, than i think a lot of other people did joy to me joy was the first fish record that came out after their hiatus and it joy joy is an interesting record to me because it came out two days before my dad died and oh, and wow. like there's a there's a there's a song in there about like trey's sister that yeah. had died called joy that like the first time they they i saw them play that live i just was Ball. bawling for like 10 minutes at the garden holding a chili cheese dog <laughs> um my friend that was with me did not notice because i'd sat down but the like nice hippie woman next to me was like are you okay do you need a hug and i'm like yes i do <laughs> um but Joy is – it feels a little closer to a Trey solo album mm-hmm. uh, to me, um, whereas, yeah, Fuego and Big Boat felt a lot fishier. Yeah. And uh, they actually – they did something really interesting with uh, the Fuego songs. Mm-hmm. So they'd always done their Halloween shows where for set two of three they would cover a, another band's album. But 
in 2013 at uh in atlantic city they they debuted their new album uh which they were calling wingsuit at the time which uh and because fish fans are persnickety assholes because (laughs) it because it wasn't a cover album people were really bummed out how and dare like, you write new music how it, dare you right and premiere and like, it for you live yeah yeah <laughs> and like so the vibe in the room was like kind of weird like i was excited i thought it could be interesting i was a little like i mean i was expecting to hear like a, a cover album right but like it, it's it's fish i generally i trust what they're gonna do right and like they they debuted what became the songs that were on Fuego, but they were mm-hmm. calling it Wingsuit at that point. And right. Wingsuit is the first track, which is like a kind of slow and a little bit like an odd way to start. And so like once they started it, the whole like you could just sort of feel this vibe of like, is, really, is this it? But then the second song they played was Fuego, which was like the most fish ass song they'd released in in years. Yeah. But then two years later. In Atlantic City, or in uh, uh, Vegas for mm-hmm. Halloween, they oh, I quote forgot un- about this. They quote unquote covered a uh, an old Disney album from the '60s called "Thrilling Chilling Sounds of the Haunted House," mm-hmm. which had no music on it. Yeah, and was just like this was the Halloween show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just these like second person stories of like you're walking through a mysterious forest, mm-hmm. and off in the distance you hear a howling. And it's the dogs, and you begin to run, but you can't outpace them. And it's just like, you know, dogs barking, and, and everyone leads to, like, a, a horrible ending. But so what, what they did is they covered that by... Uh, Basically sampling it. Yeah, they sampled it and then wrote a, an hour and a half of just new instrumental jams that, like, they had... they don't Fish doesn't always have a, a stage set, but for this one they built, like a graveyard wall with like a wrought iron gate and like a little like graveyard keepers shack that this woman would come out of and like lip sync to the voiceover. (sighs) And then they wheeled out a two floor haunted house that the band was inside (sighs) in white tuxes and zombie makeup. And they played the entire set from there. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they do go all out for some of their, uh, you know, holiday shit, like with the, uh, the, the meat stick show. Oh, the meat stick show, yeah. Where they flew over the crowd in a hot dog. Oh, yeah. But, like, the vibe could not have been more different from the wingsuit show when they were essentially doing the same thing. Right. But because it still had the, like, it's technically a cover. Right. People were, like... Into it. So, and I, I've never heard, with the exception of, like, maybe the reunion show and then after they did the uh, Ziggy Stardust cover, I've never heard a fish, you know... Up, you know, end of set applause that loud or yeah. that lasted that long. That's awesome. Like people, like the vibe in there was completely fucking electric going into the set. And then afterwards, everyone was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. That was nearly two hours of like new instrumental yeah. fish mm-hmm. music. This fucking rules. And, and essentially they did the same thing they did two years ago that people were pissed off about. Right. And like, I, I love he has fish fans, about it. Yeah. but I also like, fish fans bum me the fuck out for exactly yeah. that reason have you seen the flaming lips live before uh, yeah i've seen the flaming lips five six times yeah their halloween shows are crazy like oh that i can too. only imagine like the last one they they did one at the greek here a handful of years ago oh, wow. and uh wayne was covered in blood like carrie of course he was and like on a pedestal that was like a cake and like it was weird just, it was a really weird 
flaming lip show and i will always remember that image for oh, yeah. as long as i live did like, you did you ever see them when they had their spaceship that they would emerge from that also was a projection screen so it looked like a cosmic vagina that they were being birthed yes. out of yeah and they would they had like samples of like teletubby stuff behind them Something sometimes like that, yeah. and like it was very orwellian like yeah. uh, with the visuals behind the screen or whatever and the like leave kind camera of camera on his microphone yeah oh yeah i i love the flaming lips they they can be, he can't sing at all live, no. but like a Flaming Lips show, you're not there for the yeah. the vocals. You're there because there's going to be confetti guns and he's going to roll over the audience in a big, you know, ball. empty ball and there's going to be a space vagina. It's also like, the orchestration of the music. Oh, totally. Like the music, the Flaming Lips music live is just, it's all encompassing. It, oh, totally. You feel it in such a way. Uh, and they're just getting, they're so weird now. Like oh, they're yeah. so psychedelic now. It's just yeah. like, oh yeah, they're beyond psychedelic at this point. Yeah. They, they, they sort of dipped into just dirges for yeah. a little bit there. There were a couple records like the terror. I didn't, didn't do all that much for me, but, their most recent one, uh, Oxy Melody or whatever it was mm-hmm. called, is pretty good. Did you but, hear the Beatles cover? The didn't they do? Oh yeah, yeah. They, they did Sgt. Pepper's. That's mm-hmm. actually really good. That, yeah, that's way more listenable than like their Dark Side of the Moon cover Agreed. or like Primus's Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> Primus's Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah um, and these are all these are all uh, like jam band adjacent. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, totally. totally. They are jam band adjacent bands. And, and I, I think that's one of the things that like jam bands do really well is. They're very good gateway bands. Yeah. I think Spish, Fish is, <laughs> Spish. That's the new name of I, uh, I, the the next cover band. I think Spish especially. <laughs> I, I was looking, because I'm weird, I was looking at the lineup for this past year's Mowdown, mm-hmm. and there was a cover band called Cross-Eyed and Fishless. Oh. They are a cover band that covers the songs that Fish cover. Of course. So that's why they're Fishless. Um, and I was just like, that's so oh, specific. That's, it's so specific, but I love that that's that band so exists. Specific. I love that a band like that exists. All right. All right. Are <laughs> uh, you had enough? <laughs> I think everybody's had enough. I also just want to give a quick shout out to, uh, the horn players and Trace solo band. Cause oh, they're great. And I love yeah. them. <laughs> Gen- Jennifer Harkswick and, uh, Natalie Chainsaw Crestman. They are, they are the, the true MVPs of the gym band world. Cause I love them. Oh yeah. They, they are, they are the stars of the Trainastasia band. Like, the the Trey band could not be more different than Fish, and yeah. I, I really love that it's a completely different thing. But the the two women are are clearly the stars. Yeah, like they they're the best singers in the band. The best moments are when they get you know, like when uh, they get Yeha to play. <laughs> does uh, Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas, mm. which is so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, um, yeah. If you if you can see the Trey Anastasia band, you should go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, any other things you want to cover? You brought a Bonnaroo pamphlet that I've I did. Well, oh, I, yeah. I was leaving my house and it was right there, and I thought I would grab it. But like, this is from the the first year of the festival, which was pretty much all word of mouth. Oh yeah. I think they had maybe taken out uh, some ad space in Relics, Relics magazine. Relics, yeah. And tickets were a hundred dollars, and it's where I saw so many bands for the first time. And like, since oh, we totally. were talking about jams, and then there's a section in here where they talk about the people playing and the way that they describe like Ween. Here's a huge government mule right out. Oh like, damn, that's the most words that have ever been written about government mule. I know, right? And just like the advertisements in it, like I printed out like the rules and all the information, like, you know, don't bring in nitrous tanks, don't bring in dogs, (laughs) you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, none of this actually was police. Oh, of course. And it even says, if you like the bands in Bonnaroo, you'll love Relics magazine. Yeah, no, it's very true. That's true. I had a Relics subscription for most of high school. Yeah, I did too. Do you remember? 
remember what your first live jam band show was? I mean, the I don't remember my first live jam band show, but the first concert that I really ever went to was a Tom Petty concert. Oh, the nice. Breakers, when he was doing the um, Wildflowers tour. Oh, okay. And so I feel like, because again, my parents raised me on classic rock sure. and, and classical music. So that was my first experience of what, you know, a concert could sure. be. Sure. Um, as far as like first jam band show, cause again, I was finally old enough to go and see these places and fish was on hiatus. Yep. That was some um, dark years. Cause we were actually, I was kind of edging for my birthday present, uh, the year that Jerry died for uh, my family to go to new Orleans to oh, see wow. him for my birthday, for my father's birthday and how much fun that would be. Oh, that would have been great. Um, but you know, he passed, but like, yeah, like, um, I mean, I remember being really little and my parents kind of like laughing at me for dancing to Robert Palmer. I must have been a little bit more uh, like five you, years old or so. Like, you were really concerned with the thousand dollar question. <laughs> why, why? What does that mean? You were a crazy little kid. I, well, no, uh, I was just like, uh, you know, it was. That's, that's, that's a line from that's a line from Tube. Oh, I see. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm no, like, no, wait, no, wait. no, not Tube. Uh, ACDC bag. Yes. ACDC bag. <laughs> I, th- I think the I think my, my first jam show, my first show was Weird Al. Which oh, wow. was because yeah, you were, you know, a, boy of a certain age. Yeah. Yeah. We we're down on the Bad Hair Day tour. Um, the alternative polka a... introduced me to alt rock. He was a middle school boy at the right time. Oh, that. yeah. And that's why I went and saw him twice a couple weeks ago. Um, but my first like jam show was they used to do a thing in Charlotte called City Fest every yeah. year that was just like, let's put up some stages in some parking lots downtown. Mm-hmm. And the first year I went, um, I only went I went to see the Foo Fighters, but looking at the lineup later, it was like Rat Dog and Government Mule and all wow. this other stuff. But then the next year I went for like an afternoon and saw Leftover Salmon. Oh, Leftover and, Salmon. Uh, that, that, was the, that was the first time I'd ever seen a band like really jam. And I was like, what is happening? This is incredible. I never want to stop seeing this. They have an album that's like them with other people that has like Taj Mahal in it. Uh, Medicated Magic is oh, what wow. it's called. And um, it, there's Nora Jones is on there. Uh, the Dirty Dozen song that they play oh, is so good. At this particular show, they brought out a couple of the guys from Cracker. Nice. Because uh, oh, they, they had put out a record with them called uh, Oh Cracker, Where Art Thou? Or something really? like that. Which is just... Leftover Salmon and David Lowry and the other guy from uh, Cracker doing Cracker songs with Leftover Salmon instrumentation. Wow. It's pretty good. I think it's on Spotify. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming and doing the oh, show. This was, a, this was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, and if any of our friends are still listening all the way to this, you are true friends. You really yeah. are. You, you, you <laughs> really, you have been jobless. If you've listened to Brandon talk about this for years and you still listen to this whole whole episode yeah the, the, those of you that have known me since i was like 15 or 16 like you've you've been putting up with me talking like this for literally half of my life now and i i, I appreciate you all nerd <laughs> well i mean honestly the, the brandon's love for jam bands and love for fish is kind of how this podcast even came about yep it's how it's how the premise came about he really wanted to do a podcast and i said why don't we just give people a forum to uh talk about the thing they want to talk about that no one wants to listen to anymore um yeah. like you and jam bands but we never gave him his moment to shine oh, until well, today I'm happy to be a part of it thank you guys for having me thank yeah you this for coming this was a this was a, a blast since we met i like oh we gotta get we gotta get jillian on the show like the mm. you're you're one of the few like people that can really go as deep on this and not and i don't sound like a crazy person <laughs> when there's another person that can go oh yeah no i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah 
Um, like no, like no one's. You're not going to give me a funny look when I mention Skeeto Valdez. No, of course not. <laughs> I'm not sure you didn't make that name up. <laughs> and you'll never know. If people wanted to find your work, if that's a thing you wanted people to find or follow you online at all, if that's yeah. a thing you're okay with, where could they find more of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, with the handle Hippie Jill. Is that P P Y or P P I E? H I P P I E. Okay, that's cool. really the that's only. That's the only way, way you spell it. Hippie. That's that's what I thought. I just want to make sure. <laughs> if I'm going to be a snob about it, like I am. Some people, <laughs> I'll be a snob about spelling every day. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And then if you want to check out any of my work, you can go to my webpage at JillianDunn.com. And uh, you're on a sketch team at The Pack I as am. well. Uh, I'm on Turncoat at The Pack Theater in Los Angeles. And I do improv at UCB with Parker Posey and Gefilte Fish. Nice. Spelled with a PH. It's a bunch of Jews and hippies. It's really fun. We do a show called Side Coach where we have like uh, people in the improv community that are teachers and coaches come in and they will give you notes during your performance that's to great. help you get better. So it's a very voyeuristic practice. And oh, that's really cool. Cool. Yep, fourth Wednesday of every month. That's like uh, Will Hines has a kind of similar yes, show. Yes, play by uh, play. play by play. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's more of just like a let's comment on it. Right. No, this is coaching. That's yeah. awesome. That's mm-hmm. really that's really cool. Um, when is your next uh, pack show? Uh, the next pack show I have will be the first Wednesday of the month with Turncoat, but I'm actually doing a show on the 15th called Sketch That Tune, where I have been asked to guest host, and it's all around. It's like a laugh-in. Like if you picture the Grateful Dead on the Playboy. This will be out the day after that. Yeah, this oh, comes really? out the day oh, after that. Damn. I'm sure it was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was. It was really good. I stacked that fucking lineup I, like a true player. You, you offered me a slot on it, but I'm unfortunately out of town. Yeah. Otherwise, I would love to have come on and either just done Trey or because if, if I if I just put my hair down, you could totally do Trey. Like, totally. And, and like, two people in the audience would really enjoy that. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, I, if I just got out there and just did a straight up cover of like Wolf, Wolfman's Brother. I hope like you're not assuming I was like, in the audience. Because... <laughs> no, you're oh, not. No, 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 no. You can uh, you can find me on all of the social meds as Hell Yes Brandon. Uh, our next Gunslinger show will be the second Wednesday of August at eight. Uh, macho comedy is around. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all I have. Yeah, July July is kind of a thankfully July is kind of a slow month. Mm. June was June was oh. rough. Um, yeah, you can find me everywhere at at Girlodactyl. Hi Akima, my cat has now arrived uh, to be a podcat. Uh, I still am not working on anything. Uh, thank you as always to Tiny Stills and Kaylin West for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is like flying. Uh, she has a new album out right now called Laughing into the Void, and she's going to be on tour with um, Get Married. Oh, Get Married. She's going to the Tiny Stills is going to be on tour with Get Married in August and September, and they're going nationwide. So check it out they're, if you like, want to see them live. They're a great band. They're gonna be near you. They're gonna like, be near you. Um, and yeah that's uh all my business i have you can follow us at, at into it pod that's not the first record she sat on okay i was like she's fine she puked on rec- record she she pooped on one once oh, oh. We, I, I had a, a a stack of records probably 20 records that i was gonna sell to amoeba that i just had sitting on the floor next to our little like record crate for three four months and when i went and brought them to amoeba the guy and when i came back to like see what the value was going to be the guy was like yeah a lot of these have water damage i was like well because someone peed on them yeah that the cat had just like peed on the floor right nearby and it's like oh well yeah you wrecked that second copy of revolver i have so i can't be that mad but like she's a little asshole rude 
Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Oh, now she's rubbing her face on microphones. So, I think that's it for us. <laughs> so, I guess all that being said, uh, we did the podcast, buried the podcast, took out the podcast. We actually uh, never talked about meat stick. Whoa. No one knows what oh, you're, oh about. God, we didn't. <laughs> so, the meat stick, uh, very, very quick uh, meat dendum here. No, the, you, you said what it was up top. But yeah, yeah the, the meat stick was Fish's attempt at a Macarena style song. Yeah. That they, that they, like, there is a dance, like a choreographed dance for. They tried to set the Guinness Book of World Records for the most people doing a choreographed dance at once, which was going to be the meat stick on New Year's Eve 99 uh, at their festival in Florida with 100,000 people. Uh, but the Guinness guy never showed up. Oh. Um, but yeah, meat stick is just a, a, a dumb little song that they wrote to do a Macarena type thing. And then they uh, had their friends translated into Japanese. Yeah. Uh, but the meat stick is very good. But uh, yeah. All that being said, podcast over. Uh-huh.